0: everyone, this is Jenny. And this is Alexa. And it's another episode of Checked Out, the Lexington Public Library podcast, where we talk about books and movies and TV and all things library related. Pretty much anything we want. Pretty much anything we want, exactly. <laughs> uh, today I'm actually really excited because we're talking about one of my favorite topics, which is it's my cheesy drum roll, Crafting! So joining us today on the podcast, we have a special guest. Robin Wade is with us. Robin is the co-owner of Rebel over on Rosemont Garden in Lexington, Kentucky, my personal favorite little yarn shop, and Robin is the, she's like my Yoda, the Yoda <laughs> of knitting. So welcome, Robin.
1: Hello. Thank you so much for joining
2: us.
0: So I think that what really sparked me to have this, uh, have a podcast on crafting is that crafting is really having a moment right now, I feel like. Kind of having a comeback. So I thought we could each talk a little bit about what we do in terms of craft and how we got started and go from there. So, Alexa, do you want to kick us off? I would be happy to. Um, So, my
1: primary craft um, is crocheting. Um, My father's mother taught me how to crochet when I was about mm, four or five years old. (laughs) so i've been crocheting for a really really long time you were little um i was teeny tiny yeah i, I started learning with finger crocheting where it's like mm-hmm. you make a slip knot and then you reach through the loop and you pull through and so i just made lots and lots of like little crocheted ropes um and then i made like probably i probably made like 800 potholders in my life with like <laughs> red heart super saver yarn from walmart <laughs> Don't know that any of those were ever used or useful for anything in particular, but I really had a good time making them. Um, really crucial learning the whole crochet chain one and then start a new row. Took me a really long time to get a hang, of, get the hang of that. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where the longer you do it, the, the better and better you get. And it's like I can do it kind of without even thinking about it at this point in my life. Um, for the longest time, I just did basic, just like, blankets, washcloths, potholders, and then when I got into college, um, I bought my first amigurumi book, which is um, Japanese for, like, little crochet toy. Yeah, they
0: have the, all the books out now, the cute little crochet yes. little animals and yes. stuff. If
1: yes, you, if you search in our catalog for amigurumi or crochet, you will find lots and lots of books. We've got plenty of them in the library. Even Costco
0: sells the little kits.
1: Yes, you can buy, also buy kits. Yeah, I got there was one year I got three of the exact same uh, crochet Star Wars amigurumi kits for Christmas, <laughs> and I was like, I'm very obvious, so it worked. I mean, it's it's super helpful. I can use all the materials in the kits. So. Uh, but I bought uh, Anna Paula Rimoli is the name of... Uh, the the author and she's great. I would recommend her patterns to anyone who is interested in getting into amigurumi. If you if you crochet but you've never crocheted toys or three dimensional items, um, her patterns are very easy to follow. She's she's really good. I still use her just like basic templates for anything. I, I do a lot of freehand toys now, um, and hers her starting patterns are really good for just kind of building on and they're really good fundamentals for like making a round head or making a little body. Um, so that's really Primarily, what I do, I just crocheted a couple of corgis for my little nephew's first birthday. He had a corgi themed birthday party, so that was a lot of fun. Put little jingle bells in them, so he can throw them and have a nice time. That's adorable. Really into throwing right now, so <laughs> anything that jingles as he throws it, I figure will be will be entertaining for him. Um, I'm a remedial sewer. I'm not great at sewing. I hem stuff. That's about all I got as far as sewing. I've made like one pair of sleep pants ever, and it was a nightmare. So I don't really, I'm not really into garment construction. I I will crochet a sweater. Not not great at sewing a sweater. Um, and then knitting, I can get by. I'm not great at construction of knitting, um, but I, I love it. I love to knit. I just, it's still, it's when you crochet and then you go from crocheting to knitting, crocheting is so much faster. <laughs>
2: it's so yeah. much faster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so
1: I've just been spoiled. It's because I learned how to crochet first, I think, and I've just been spoiled by how quick crocheting is in comparison to knitting. But I think knitting is really soothing, so I enjoy doing it. I just... Crochet is just where where I started, and so I I don't think I can leave at this point. It feels
0: like there's a divide. Like people who crochet are super into crochet, and they do not knit. People who knit are super into knitting, and they do not crochet. And often one thinks the other is very hard. And it becomes like a like a line in the sand. My hands
1: don't work well together. Like, <laughs> I'm I mean, used to just like the one thing and then when you give me two things it's it gets really confusing. Um, I can't, I, it took me forever to teach myself. Nobody in my family knows how to knit so it's like I kind of had to go at it and teach myself how. And I hold my needles I hold the yarn in the in the weird way, in the way that most people don't. Continental. 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 I hold it the weird one. So it's like, it's hard to find tutorials where people will like explain like yeah. patterns that
0: way. And
1: I think that it's because I, it's because i crochet that i hold it that way i'm pretty sure because that's uh-huh. what feels natural to me um so when i when i finally figured out that i was like oh i just hold the yarn different from like 95% of people who knit it made, it made a lot more sense to me um so i'll knit like a blanket or like a, i've made it like one baby dress and I was like, wow, I knitted a thing. I was like, let me find like the smallest piece of clothing that I could make of. <laughs> I'll try my hand at knitting that. Worked great. I was like, okay, good. I can stop now. Like, I, I did a dress, and now I'm done. And so I'm back to crocheting. <laughs> So maybe maybe one day I will try another baby garment in, in knitting because knitting is just so much prettier for clothes. Crocheted clothes don't look yeah. as elegant and as nice as knitted clothes. I and mean, it
2: hangs better. It does. That's, it, that's it does. The big thing,
1: yeah. Crocheting is great for blankets. It's great for toys. It's great for stuff like that. Um, but really, if you're going to do garments, I think that knitting just looks so much more professional. Uh, not that crocheted clothes can't look professional and I've crocheted plenty of clothes. I would say
0: you crocheted as, uh, something for my daughter. It's gorgeous. I did, yeah,
1: a little, a little cardigan. There yeah. there's one year I crocheted Harry Potter Weasley sweaters from all of my siblings. Um, <laughs> so that was fun and took a really long time. Um, so like I said, nothing against crocheted clothing. I will absolutely crochet some clothes, but I don't know. I personally think that knitted clothes look cooler. I just hating
0: on my own craft. Don't mind me. <laughs> my dream is um. to one day knit, uh, like do like one of those like Icelandic. Sweaters. It will Yay. never happen. They're so pretty.
1: It's just you can just do so much stuff when and crocheting. There is Tunisian crochet, mm-hmm. which does kind of simulate the look of um, of knitted fabric. Um, I don't know that you can do an entire. You can't really tun- Tunisian crochet in the round. I don't know that that's possible, um, but it does have a really similar. It looks like stockinette stitch when you when you do it, and you can kind of do. I've made a pillow that way before, um, with a pattern on it, because you can kind of like add in threads and like. But in the pattern as you go, like those, like Icelandic cool sweaters that you they can put. So they do, they look really, really cool. And Tunisian crochet can kind of simulate that. Um, but it's just.
0: It's just different.
1: I'm very jealous of people who can knit really well, so.
0: <laughs> well, I started knitting as an adult. So mm. you started as a kid. I started as a grown-up. Um, I did, my mom is a big cross-stitcher. She mm-hmm. did kind of cross-stitch when I was a kid. I cross-stitch so a lot, too, actually. I, I learned fun. to cross-stitch when I was little, at a snow day, actually. I was bored. My mom's was like, here, have some, have some, <laughs> have a needle and some thread, and let's do this. So I learned to do that. I didn't do it much through, like, past childhood, um, but... When I started working at the library, actually, uh, another librarian, Sarah, who works in the Kentucky Room at Central, um, she is a fantastic knitter, and it was right after the stitch and bitch phase had just Mm -hmm. passed, and the book had been really popular, and I was like, I want to learn how to do that, but I kind of said it offhanded, like, I could never learn, and she was really adamant that, like, anybody can do it, so she taught me how to do the knit stitch. YouTube taught me how to do the purl stitch, Nice. um, and she actually taught me uh, continental style's well, so yeah, that is hard. I have to go to YouTube and be like, "All right, uh, I need f- to learn how to do this." But show me continental. Yeah, it, it doesn't really make sense if you watch it the other way. It's for very confusing. Who aren't knitting? There are different ways you can you can hold the yarn. If you hold the yarn in one hand, it's English, what they call English mm-hmm. style, and the other style is sometimes referred to as German or sometimes continental. It just depends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I learned the the weird way. Yeah. Um, although many Europeans would say the right way. Right. Right. So yeah. it's, just gonna, it's more
2: common. Yeah. Also. Um, just to throw this in here just in case anybody's listening and like, well, that's how I do it, and I have trouble finding instruction. Um, I always recommend knittinghelp.com for oh, instructional nice. videos because all of their videos are, you have two choices, oh, my English gosh. or Continental.
1: Where were you when I was trying to teach myself how to knit? <laughs> I know. Now, there's a lot on YouTube, too, but that sounds amazing. <laughs> there is, yeah. You have to hunt and, hunt other and, other and find and stuff on The other advantage of
2: knittinghelp.com, which I really, I love it, I, I recommend it to customers constantly, is that all of the videos are correct, whereas YouTube, anybody can put up a video. True. It's not a curated collection, and there are fantastic things on YouTube, and I've learned everything from YouTube, but um, I highly recommend that site, and their videos give you an English and nice. continental option, That's so really it's good a little to know. easier to learn that way. That's very helpful. Yeah, that's really good to know. I'll I'll use that the next. I have to
1: like reteach myself how to knit every single time I pick it up, right. just because I go, so, go long so long into between now. knitting projects. <laughs> so next time I teach myself how to knit again, I'll I'll check out knittinghelp.com.
0: <laughs> Robin, how did you get started, and and how, what led you from what I assume probably started as a hobby into mm-hmm. a career?
2: Okay, so um, I've been kind of a serial crafter my entire life. Um, my dad is very craft like crafty. He's a woodworker. Um, so I learned a lot, like, working in his woodshop. Um, I started beating when I was in middle school. And when I was in college, my freshman year, I went to this university in Wisconsin, and it was freezing. And you really didn't want to do anything outside because it was, like, 50 to below and not a fun excursion. And so our, like, student union had weekly movie nights where you could just go and watch a movie. You only had to walk 400 feet from your dorm. It was... It was nice. And there was a girl there who would go every week, and she was sitting and she was knitting this amazing, like, Norwegian ski sweater. And I would just watch her every week, and I was like, wow. And I'm just sitting there watching a movie doing nothing. Like, I'm just sitting there, my hands are doing nothing. It's <laughs> like, I'm wasted, useless. Wasted time. <laughs> she's going to make a sweater. What am
1: I doing with my life? <laughs> like, yeah.
2: every week she's getting a little further along on this sweater. And um, I was like, I want to learn to do that. So over the summer when I was back home... I was working at a craft store, and I I taught myself to knit by, like, looking at these horrible, like, early 90s, late 80s knitting books with, the, you know, the giant shoulder <laughs> sweaters, like nothing you would ever want to make.
0: I'm pretty sure some of the big box craft stores still sell those. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're still available. Yeah, I,
2: I, yeah I see them from our distributor all the time. <laughs> like, how are these still? In, yeah, who's I can't, making these? I can't believe I'm knitting. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's my favorite one. I can't believe I'm How did I end up here with these knitting needles in my
1: hands?
2: Um... So I taught myself to knit, and I originally taught myself on some paper clips and some string that was by the cash register wow. where I was working. I'm color. like, I'm going to figure this out. And then, I, you know, I got knitting needles, and I knitted a headband, and it took me a lifetime, like I, a week, which seemed, you know, as an 18-year-old was a lifetime. That's a really long time to commit to something. <laughs> yeah, it was a huge project. So I finished this headband, and I was like... That took way too long. Forget this. <laughs> <laughs> then, so. That's what I say. Every time I did it, it's like, <laughs> so all right, well, next birth thing. And then I learned to crochet. And crochet is so fast. So fast. Yeah, and <laughs> it's so redeeming. I was just, I was whipping things out yeah. so fast. Like the afternoon I learned to crochet, I made a hat. Yeah, exactly. Like pretty much instantly, like three hours. You guys are gonna like make me take a crochet. After it's learning real fast. to crochet, <laughs> I had a hat. And then I made hundreds of hats, mm-hmm. literally. Um, so I just kept crocheting, and I would pick up my knitting needles every once in a while and try it again, and it would be too slow, and it was just kind of like, eh. And there was nothing that was making me want to knit, whereas crochet, I was...
1: It's like instant gratification. <laughs>
2: yeah, I was, it and really I was kind is. of going through this phase where I was a little bit of a hippie, so I had all these crocheted tams, and I would sell them in parking lots of... Fish shows, and <laughs> nice. I mean, if you're gonna if you're so, gonna sell crocheted goods, like right. the parking lot of this fish is shows, a, a great spot. that happened in my life. Um, so I made all these hats, and and they were it was a product that I you know could make quickly, and it kept my hands busy, and I would come back to knitting every once in a while, but there was nothing I was seeing that was really making me want to knit. And then it was actually I would. I would still pick up my knitting needles probably every six months. I think it was like clockwork. I would just pick them up and like do a little swatch, and "Eh, I don't want to do this. Um, And then the book Stitch and Bitch came out, and that was kind of it was the early aughts, and you know the internet was becoming more of a norm thing in your life, where you're using the internet every day. And I was on these boards there was the glitter board which was um part of getcrafty.com and i think it moved over to another site i can't really remember and then the craft craftster Crafter boards mm. so these were like how people talked about crafting and would show things and so the stitch and bitch books came out and people were starting to show these knitted sweaters with you know a, a um Jolly Roger mm-hmm. the Jolly Roger on them and I'm like whoa I want to do that yeah so suddenly I wanted to knit so I went out and I got the book and I picked up my needles and yarn again and that time it stuck it was that was it and um, then I started knitting like crazy I started knitting blog um, I started contributing to all these like weird knitting scenes that were kind of happening because there were still we were still, we were using the internet, but we were still putting out a lot. There were a lot of, like, underground zines still happening. But you had a wider range. Like, you can connect. I contributed to a zine in Canada, and I contributed to one in Brooklyn and one in Portland. You know, it was it was a much wider range. So, um, so I was doing that, and I was just getting really, really into knitting. And I was kind of at a transition point in my life. Um, I was managing a library for a nonprofit, and... My husband at the time wanted to move back to Lexington. And I had nothing here. I was, I was I grew up here, but I hadn't lived here since I was a teenager. And I was like, well, if we do this, I want to open a yarn shop. <laughs> and like, So I made this big declaration. It's so like, he'll
1: never go for right? it. Right. <laughs>
2: like, this is ridiculous. This, I'm going to do this. If, we ha- if I have to do this thing, I want to do this ridiculous thing. And he's like, okay, whatever. Um, and so I... Was on the phone. I talked on the phone at the time. Like, I don't know if you've ever done that. Like, <laughs> I say these things. I'm like, wow, yeah. we have phone conversations. I, I don't do it regularly. I know. But, uh, <laughs> so I was talking on the phone with um, Sarah, who has been a, one of my best friends since um, high school. And she was living in Texas at the time. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be back to Lexington and open a yarn shop. <laughs> like, telling her this, like, ridiculous plan. And then a couple days later, I get a letter in the mail. Letter. That was a thing, too. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> totally a thing. And Sarah had, like, drawn out a picture of our yarn shop and, like, written, like, a proposal. And, like, it's just as easy. It'll be way easier to open a shop with two people. Then it will be with one. So we might as well just do this together. And I was like, sweet. (laughs) So then I had a business partner. So a few months later, I moved to Lexington. And then I think four months after I moved to Lexington, Sarah moved here. And then 6 months later we opened a shop. That's <laughs> Somehow. Amazing. Yeah, that's
1: really just like <laughs> serendipitous. Just like, oh yeah, well I'll I'll do that too.
2: Yeah, we were in right. our 20s, so you can do those kind of things when you're in your 20s. So idealistic, <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> things like, oh well if this doesn't work, whatever. Yeah. Um I can't even imagine doing that now like, oh, I'm just going to do this over here and like I would there would be so much planning and yeah. stress and we just we just kind of went for it and it's amazing, and it worked. So yeah, we're hitting twelve years this year. So yeah,
0: and you have that beautiful shop on Rosemont now. Yeah, Because you guys I love. were downtown by the Korean restaurant. We were, and now you're now you're on Rosemont in a little
2: house. It's so adorable and space for workshops and classes and everything. It's great. Yeah, we love it there. Um, it's kind of it's kind of everything we kind of dreamed of in the beginning and couldn't quite get to. And I don't know. It's been. It's been amazing, and we have amazing customers, and it's, yeah, it's been a fun experience. So knitting's kind of my life. Um, but as far as crafting, though, I always say knitting is my, um, knitting is, like, my work. And I kind of consider counted cross-stitch, which I guess is where you started, mm-hmm. as my hobby. So that's kind of what I do when I want to do something away from work. Because mm. when I'm knitting, a lot of times I, I have to show that. Um, generally, I have to show anything I make to customers because I'm trying to sell yarn I'm trying to sell patterns so they need to see like what we're doing so it's nice to have something that's kind of to the side and not quite as much of a hobby these Mm. days yeah
0: do you feel like I know like for me knitting I'm kind of a hyper anxious person anyway kind of always humming along knitting just kind of calms me down, gives me something to do, gives me something to focus on. Do you have things like of that nature that kind of keep you going in different crafts?
2: Yes and I feel like I feel like knitting is that way for me too. Um, knitting is definitely the least stressful part of my job. Um, it is nice because it's a repetitive activity. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like a meditation. And I've never been good at meditation. Like you sit me in a quiet room and my mind just races. Whereas if I'm knitting something, especially something that requires a little bit of patterning, so something with lace or color work, I have to concentrate on what I'm doing. But I'm still doing a repetitive task. It's just one that requires a little more concentration. And I feel like that's the best way to slow my mind down. Mm.
0: They've actually done studies that say that, that knitting and yoga are more similar than you would think because... The the act, both, the act of both yoga and, and then the knitting with as you said, the repetitive motion and the, the pattern following, it like breaks the stress cycle in your brain, which I right. thought was really fascinating. Yeah. That is really interesting.
1: I mean, I would say crocheting for me is definitely that same way, where it's just like if I'm having a, like a really bad week, or if I'm like really stressed out, or anything like that. It's just like that's like the first thing I want to do generally. Um, and I do I do cross stitch projects every now and then, and it's kind of the same way, where it's just like that that repetitive motion of just mm-hmm. making the X, making the single crochets or the single chain stitches. It's just like it's just so soothing, and whenever you you've done it for for so long. You can really do it and just, like, focus on that, but, like, just, like, put something on TV, like, watch a movie, and you can do both at the
0: same time. Well, my idea of a great day is is you put on some British Bake Off and you get some knitting (laughs) out. (laughs) It's Awesome. Just zone out. It's fantastic. It's so, so relaxing. It really is. I have a theory that, so craft really is having a moment, as we said before we we got started. It's really having a moment right now. I know in the library we see a ton of craft books coming Mm -hmm. in every week because that's very popular right now in publishing, and I want to know, what do you guys think is the reason behind that? Because I have my theories, and I think stress relief is certainly one of them. But why do you guys think that crafting is kind of taking off right now?
1: Well, if I had to guess, I would say that it probably has something to do with just <laughs> moving back towards, like, homesteading is having, a, like, raising chickens, like, create homebrewing, like, creating your own butter. Like, I th- I think that all of those things are kind of having a moment and it's just that kind of like getting back to our roots sort of vibe that's what it feels like to me because I see a lot of books like that coming into the library too not just crafting books but but homebrewing and raising backyard chickens and gardening and things like that and I think it's just people wanting to kind of unplug and get away from screens um and and kind yeah, of because
0: so much of our life is on computer
1: yes yeah and I think that that's a big part of it um that's what it seems like to me I had to guess.
2: <laughs> I always, um, I guess because I've been watching this for a while, like, because the first time this happened was around 2001, mm-hmm. 2002, um, I always associate it with just very stressful times. Yeah. People, people start getting overwhelmed oh, by the really world point. around yeah. them, and they need they need something, like, tactile mm. that yeah. they can deal with. So it's...
1: Can't imagine what would be stressing people out.
2: Right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, we live in such a... <laughs> world (laughs) but um yeah I always think it I always relate it to that so anytime everything seems like it's overwhelming I feel like that's when we start seeing people like sit down and start doing things with their hands and and there's something I don't know there's just something really it's reaffirming there's something reaffirming about um doing stuff with your hands with starting from materials mm-hmm. and making a thing, especially a useful thing mm-hmm. and a useful thing that you do use. Um, since I was a kid, that's always been a big thing. Like, I'd go in my dad's wood shop and I would, you know, pick out some scrap that he'd like tossed aside and make it into something. And it was always a really kind of fun experience and it always made me feel really good when I was done. And you had the whole experience of making it and then the experience of having that item, that you made, yeah, for better or for worse. <laughs> I
0: have this one thing. I wish I could woodwork. I wish we should we could have woodworking classes at the library.
1: Yeah, that would be really cool. Heather Pritchard, um, who is one of our librarians, um, she Heather did a. Uh, build your own raised garden bed program for us once at Eastside which was really fun um, and we had an LA at the time an, a library assistant who did a lot of work. he actually works full time like restoring furniture now like that's his actual job now um, and so he assisted her and it was such a cool program um, and she literally like brought in power tools and like literally drilled a raised garden bed together in the makerspace for a program. It was so cool and it's, I wish that I could just steal her more often. <laughs> do lots of woodworking programs know, it's like funny, that when,
0: when I was at village, we actually had several programs put on by Newton's Attic mm-hmm. and you know they're handing you know tweens and teens power tools and you think, uh, is this a good idea? They love it though yeah And I think kids really connect to any kind of crafting as well. I know um, there are some schools now that teach knitting because they found it actually helps back. Skills and um, you know it, it helps them de-stress just like we do. Yeah. I think it also they, they generally kind of soak up that stuff, mm-hmm. which is really cool. What about favorite? So other than other than knitting, my other craft, if you could call it that, is I like to bake. I don't bake the pretty cakes. I don't do, but I do like like fun bakes or mm-hmm. fun cakes and breads and that sort of thing. What kinds of stuff do you do other than crochet?
1: Um, I do a lot of baking, too, actually. Um, I I crocheted some corgis for my nephew's first birthday. I also baked some cor- corgi cookies for his first birthday this weekend. I saw those.
0: as were adorable. They
1: were so much fun. I'd never actually uh, iced cookies with royal icing before. I've just, oh. I don't know how I've not done that ever. I usually just frost cakes and do, like, decorative cake stuff. Um, and I was just like, well, I guess I'll try it for the first time ever for this party um, and it turned out okay um, I, I feel like it worked all right um, baking is that same kind of methodical sort of you measure everything out and you've got this really delicious finished project at the end and even if it's wrong it's like like worst case scenario like you've got like a dense cake or something it's like oh no whatever will I do like I have to eat this whole failure dessert now um, so about so y- bottom, as Mary Berry I would say. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like yeah. Even even baking failures are probably going to taste pretty good. Um, I like cooking too. I feel like sometimes it's like all or nothing. Like you either are really like into cooking, um, and you don't like baking at all, or if you're really into baking, you don't like cooking. But I really enjoy doing both, um, and I've really been getting into um, teaching my husband how to cook, um, which has been really fun. He's what I, I he didn't know how to cook at all, really. Um, He he lived a lot of his life on, like, Totino's, uh, just, like, microwavable pizzas. Easy Mac. Yeah, he he did a lot of microwaving, and so, yeah, it's been really fun. We actually, um, we did subscribe to HelloFresh, one of those meal kit services, which was really great because I love to cook, um, but I was taught to cook by my mother and my grandparents, who don't measure or follow recipes. It's just like, oh, you're going to make this, and you just kind of throw everything together. Um, and my husband, Len, is very methodical, and he likes to know what he's doing and, like, have a job, and like, he needs things laid out. And so when we subscribed to HelloFresh for the first time, it was like, they send you these recipe cards with all of the steps just laid out. And he's like, alright, what are we on now? And it's like, alright, step two, I can do that. Like, it was really helpful. And we we cook together more often now without HelloFresh, because he kind of has that experience of, of following the I said that part,
0: maybe we could have gotten a sponsorship. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. Look,
1: if HelloFresh Hello wants to send me a few free boxes, I still use it a lot. Like, I just, we use it less, but, I mean, I'm I'm still 100% getting it. But we still like now. the product. Still really enjoy the product, HelloFresh. If you want to send me any, any sort of codes, I'm I'll, I'll, <laughs> giving codes to my mother and my sister-in-law. I will give more people codes. I'm not against it. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think that cooking is one of my biggest ones. Um, you guys have talked about cross-stitch. Um, fun, fun story about me, um, I was a counselor at 4-H camp for several years when I was a child, when I was a teenager, um, and every all of the counselors have to help with a class at 4-H camp. I helped with cross-stitch every <laughs> year. I was just like, please don't make me play basketball or go swimming. <laughs> like, can I
0: just, like, sit inside of the cafeteria and
1: help? It was like two or three kids would take cross-stitch, and I was like, oh great. I get to
0: cross-stitch for an hour every so afternoon. So there is a camp out there I have read about where you can go. This is my dream idea of camp, right? You go, you learn how to shear a sheep, you assist in shearing a sheep, they teach you how to spin said wool, uh-huh. and then you like knit a sweater out of it. I would be all about that. Right, that's, that's like almost, my kind yeah. of camp. That sounds really intense. I don't know how it's only a week though. That seems like a sweater would take longer. But maybe you just get like, it's like get all started. you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true.
1: if it's if it's all you're doing, I still don't know that. You're I still not like, gonna finish a sweater. Yeah, no. I I feel like you probably get like started on this one and be like, all right, I'll well,
2: finish it, it at it. home. Well, we yeah, the, finish
0: g- the yarn in a week. No, that <laughs> seems spinning. like a lot of work. I don't. I've never spun before.
2: You spin though, right? I do spin. Yeah. How hard it takes. Yeah, a long explain time, that right? to us because <laughs>
1: that sounds just daunting. So
2: basically, you have fibers <laughs> and you put twist in them, and that creates strength, and that's what makes yarn. So, long story short, um, so you can do it with anything from a stick to a spinning wheel to any e-spinner. Now um, there are motorized motorized spinning machines now that you can use as well. Wow. That feels like cheating. Um, <laughs> it's really not. Um, I think it just it frees up your it frees up your feet really. Sure. You're still doing the same stuff with your hands. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily make anything easier. I find them more challenging but basically because I'm used to using a treadle wheel so it's very very different. We just got a bunch of e-spinners in the shop and I'm like trying to learn them. (laughs) Do
1: you you find your foot just like moving by itself? I I don't
2: know what to do. (laughs) I just I have trouble with controlling the speed and Mm. stopping and starting. It's it's a little it's a different world, but they have they have value. But basically you're just putting twist into your fiber which holds it together. Um it's it's also very it's very repetitive and relaxing. And it makes when you spin on a wheel It makes this lovely noise, especially if your wheel is maybe a little bit under oiled. It makes this like (laughs) click-clack, click-clack, click-clack. And um, it's one of my favorite things. (laughs) I'm always sad when my wheel is perfectly oiled and it's not really making any noise. Because I really like the click-clack, click-clack, click-clack. It's very quaint, but yeah.
0: As a child, my dream job was to work at Colonial Williamsburg and be one of the people who demonstrated craft and that's the craft that I always wanted to do was spinning. So you think spinning. I would have taken a class by this point <laughs> to learn how to do it, but I just in my in my fantasy world I'm like in a bonnet learning how to spin.
1: Well I mean, yeah, it's one of those things where I feel like if that were me, I would be afraid that if I ever actually tried it and like I was really bad at it, to like right off the it's like that your whole world would come crumbling down. It's like, oh my dream job like that I was I was gonna work at Colonial Williamsburg. I oh, know. <laughs> well,
2: you teach classes at Rebel, right? We do, yeah. yeah Rebel's I got mean, classes. Yeah, we teach spinning once a year. Um, sometimes twice a year, depending on the demand. Um, The Sheep and Fiber Fest is an excellent opportunity to kind of start spinning. Um, There's a lot of people who are selling drop spindles. Um, A basic drop spindle is maybe $10, $15. So you could theoretically just start with this one tool and a handful of wool. I think it's an excellent way to start people. Not everybody loves the drop spindle because... It is a little harder to start on on the wheel than the wheel, but I think learning the drafting techniques before you go to a wheel is a lot easier and it's like five percent of the price yeah um so that's and we should mention sheep and fire festivals coming up may may 19th and 20th 19th and 20th at Masterson
0: station park so much fun even if you if you're thinking about crafting it's a great time to go and see what's out there um even if you're not a crafter it's great they've also got the stock dog trials at the same time so i always take the kids and let them watch the dogs you know herd the sheep and it's a lot of fun
2: Lots of animals to see. So many animals to see and to and they touch. Have classes. <laughs> they have They have fabulous classes that go from beginner to advanced. And this year they have goat yoga. I saw that.
1: Yeah. Goat yoga. <laughs> goat yoga. Like the yoga, the, the do goats yoga. do yoga? No, you <laughs> do with yoga baby while goats baby goats, goats run walk around, you. around and oh, step on you I've and seen stuff. cat yoga before. Yeah. A similar concept, yoga. but with
2: goats. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Even that's better. That's, that's delightful. Goats. Yeah. I just wouldn't do any yoga. I'd be like, I know. I'd be like, let me
1: play with uh, the How could you focus on yoga when they're... Tiny goats around. Cares about yoga. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That would be really difficult.
0: Sometimes they even have the Angora rabbits too. So people have them, and they they're really pretty. Yeah, I've never been. I should go this year. Oh, it's so much fun. It sounds like fun. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite yarn to work with? Like a favorite fiber that you really really like? I weirdly I like
1: working with cotton yarn a lot. I feel like it's just I don't know. It's kind of a pain to actually like crochet or knit with like it's kind mm-hmm. of stiffer and it's kind of hard but it's the the finished product is always just so nice i i really like cotton a lot um and any wool blend is really nice
2: i love cotton yeah oh yeah. good i'm so glad I'm not the it, you're one. not alone <laughs> especially <laughs> when i
1: crocheted i crocheted yes. almost
2: only cotton yeah um, love 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 cotton fiber yeah and
1: cotton and, 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 and acrylic i acrylic blends i think are best for like toys and yeah. stuff like that because mm-hmm. they're stiffer oh, absolutely so they hold up a little bit better
2: Um, Um, My favorite would be probably, it it varies from season to season. Right now I'm big with anything that has linen added to mm -hmm. it. I really love, I love the kind of stiffness Mm -hmm. of linen when you knit it and then how it softens up. So I've made a bunch of like face cloths that are this cotton linen blend that I found. Oh, nice. Um, Kind of obsessed with that but I think silk and wool tend to be my favorite blend like if I could only knit one thing for the rest of my life it would probably be some kind of silk and wool blend that's fair yeah
0: <laughs> I like alpaca nice. just because it's so soft <laughs> alpacas are so cute I too. do I do huh. like alpaca and I also really like um I don't I don't how you say the brand is it malabrigo mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. malabrigo I love their fun colors and the there's one particular um brand or type they have that I've made a lot of cowls out of. I like to knit cowls in the fall and the winter because mm-hmm. they're warm and they're fast mm-hmm. and it's super easy to come up with something that looks like... I have one that pattern that I knit that looks cabled but it's not so people are like wow that look i'm like this was so easy you don't even know jokes on you people think that it's intense
1: (laughs) those are the best patterns i know it looks really really calm that's how i feel anytime i like crochet a stuffed animal or something i'm just like it looks so impressive at the end i'm just like ah, suckers this took like two hours (laughs) it's like the easiest thing ever
0: I sometimes people who are not crafters are the easiest to impress. I yes. made a sweater for my daughter, and one of my friends was like, "You made a thing that she can wear." I was yeah. like, "Yeah, but it was a super easy pattern, and I did it sitting on the couch watching, you know, Sesame Street with my kids." Yeah, it's exactly. Not, this is not like rocket science, people. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I think that most people probably would be really shocked at how easy it is to mm-hmm. to pick it up whenever whenever you get started, and actually like. Commit to it. If you if you want to learn, right, it, it's not as hard as you think. Any of these things. No.
0: Do you have favorite books that you find like that you keep going back to over and over again as like reference works? Um, my biggest one is I mentioned her at the beginning is Anna
1: Paula Romoli. Any any of her, she's got lots and lots of different books for Amigurumi toys, um, Amigurumi toy box, uh, and yeah, she's wonderful. Her patterns always work; they're always perfect. Sometimes he, sometimes. Uh, Amigurumi patterns can get really complicated real quick because you're working in the round, and sometimes people, the way that people write out patterns in the round can sometimes be very confusing. And the way that she writes it, just it's really hard to explain. But the way she writes her patterns just really makes sense to me. That was the first time that I was reading a pattern; and it really clicked. Um, because before then, I just freehanded everything. I didn't really read patterns. Um, so, so she's great. Um, and then, uh, just as far as anything else goes, you can't really go wrong with mini crochet books. Um, any, any sort of. I do have one uh, at home that I love, and it cost a lot of money at the time. I was like eighteen when I bought it. It's like five hundred and one Afghan squares or something like that, okay. and it's literally like a yeah. mix and match book. And it's so good. It's just like each page is a different square. And so you can literally just like go through and like pick out all these different squares. You can make an Afghan of like 50 different squares and they're all different, or you can like pick two and then and they have like different patterns in the front of how to like construct these amazing intricate Afghans by mixing and matching the different patterns. That's a really, really good one. I made lots of lots of blankets for using that book. Um, and I, we have it in the library. It's 501 Afghan squares, and it's really, really great.
2: What about you, Robin? Um, well, I love, if you if you like really dry knitting books <laughs> and lots of mathematics, I highly recommend anything by Elizabeth Zimmerman. Um, she was kind of, I'm very um, mathematically minded, so I don't like things being laid out in steps. I like to understand how they actually work. So... Reading her books, even though they're not flashy, most of them don't have any color to them. (laughs) Knitting in plain English is like that, too. Yeah, Yeah, it's similar kind of, like, here's how it's all constructed. (laughs) Um, But learning just the basic, the basis for every, pretty much every knitted garment, and then being able to kind of go from there. So I've always loved Elizabeth Zimmerman. Another book that I really like that the library has a few copies of is um, Knit the Sky... By oh, that book's Leah beautiful. Redmond, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you've actually read any of it because mm-hmm. I looked at it. I never read it until I was I was helping um, out with this class, and the person who was doing it with me like pulled an excerpt from the book because I looked at the pictures, but I thought it was mostly one of those thing where you look at the sky every day and you knit you know a couple of rows in the color that the sky resembles or something coordinate like to the weather or something mm-hmm. like that, but. Um, it's actually a lot about um, the community of knitting um, and knitting in, within a community, and it's beautifully written. Um, all of the illustrations are watercolor. It's just, mm-hmm. it's lovely, and I highly recommend it. It's something that I would have completely overlooked had I not like had somebody pull an excerpt out of it, and I'm like, whoa!
0: It doesn't really is,
1: look like a book with patterns or this anything is fantastic. In it when you see it. Yeah, yeah. it's really, really beautiful.
0: I'm currently reading, and this is the history nerd in me, No Idle Hands by oh, yes. Anne McDonald, which is like the history of women knitting in America. And it's fantastic mm-hmm. in that sort of like, I am part of something that has gone on for generations and is important and is special. And it's just, if you want to feel like super proud of, of being a crafter, it's a great book to read. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, of course, recommend Stitch and Bitch because that's, I feel like, the one that, that got a lot of people started. I wonder how many people Debbie Stoller has like taught to knit in her own way
2: millions
0: millions (laughs)
2: millions
0: yeah um i also really like knitlandia a knitter Mm sees the world by clara parks Mm -hmm. that one's really fun it's like part travel diary part you know just she goes all over the world for her job which is talking about yarn and meeting people and kind of the community of craft but just to how everyone you know all over the world so different yet it's all united through through different things and how craft is sort of a a universal uniter. Um, And then, of course, the Vogue Knitting put out their big, like, their Bible, again, this Mm -hmm. year. They only do it a couple years, Mm -hmm. and that's, it's a pretty coffee table book, but it's also just pretty just to look at if you just, like, looking at pictures of yarn which I do yeah because I'm a nerd I will say as well
1: as far as knitting goes for me um, it's not a book um, but Pearl B, the website Mm -hmm. P-U-R-L-B-E-E amazing I mean that's the website where I knitted my first uh, baby dress from so they do have free patterns online and they're Remarkably, if I can follow the the patterns from Pearl B, I feel like anyone can. They're very well written. They're very well written, really concise, really clear. Anytime I I think about picking up knitting, again, I always, like, go and just, like, browse Pearl B and, like, look at all of their patterns and stuff they have online. And they sell kits as well. Um, So you can – they have a yarn shop, so you can buy kits to –
0: create as well. And oh, um, we should also mention really Ravelry. Cool.
1: Ravelry's great, oh, yes, yes. Which is a
0: website that's sort of like the Facebook for, for the craft world.
1: Exactly, like. yeah. It's like anybody can have a profile and you upload patterns and people, it, like, links to their Etsy shop shops or their online shops or wherever they sell their patterns. And there's free patterns, too. You yeah, can just download the website. a great place
0: I will say that they drastically underestimate the difficulty. Everything's always like, yeah, it's like a two or a three. I'm like, this is a seven. Yeah. <laughs> this is a yeah. seven. You lie. Yeah. Well, their
2: difficulties are based on user, so everything's user-generated, yeah. right. which is the, kind of the problem because people will finish a pattern. Like, by finish, a pattern it's very different than if you finish a pattern. Right. So it's like, it asks me, what is, what do I think?
1: You of, might think it's a one. The
2: difficulty level <laughs> yeah. is was like, this is a breeze. Yeah. But then you go to do it and you're like, this is. So Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it's very, yeah, it's very... It's like Goodreads. So, yeah, always, always keep that in mind with Ravelry. The Mm -hmm. other thing I love about Ravelry, and I love this as a shop owner, I think this is, they have just revolutionized um, the design world in doing this, is that designers can put their patterns on Ravelry to sell. If you buy, if you are a customer, you can buy a pattern from a designer, and it stores in your Ravelry library forever. So it's sitting there. So you print off your copy, you lose your copy, it's there. Mm -hmm. As a yarn shop, they also allow me to sell them. So you can buy them for me for the same price that you would buy them from them. And they still store in your Ravelry library. And so when you lose the pattern, because you inevitably will lose the piece of paper that has the pattern on them. Yeah. You don't have to buy it over and over and over again. I always use an example. um, There's this Fiber Trends pattern for these knitted clogs. It's been around forever, and it's a fantastic pattern. I've knit them for, like, everybody in my family. I have bought the pattern four times (laughs) because I kept buying the paper copies. And the last time I bought it, I bought it on Ravelry. I was so excited because it was an option now, and I was like, I'm buying it on Ravelry, never buying it again. And the other thing is with Ravelry, you can access it on your phone. So Mm -hmm. if you're out... And you open your knitting bag and your pattern's not there. It's sitting there on your phone. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Game-changing.
0: I knit on a plane for the first time um, recently, and it was nice to have it on my phone right there. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to fumble with the piece of paper and all yeah. that. So and if you ever want some super dry reading, the TSA guidelines on what you can and cannot take on a plane, <laughs> highly recommend. Put how would those knitting needles go? They oh. they made it. Nice. Oh, yeah. And everyone was giving me a hard time because I was trying to figure out which needles I could take. And short answer is you can take whatever needles you want, in theory. Um, but you're you're more likely to scare to skirt past security if you've got like wooden ones that as makes opposed sense. to like your super sharp, you know, don't bring your Addy turbos or something. And don't bring your nice ones that, you know, you don't wanna potentially part with so. without right, a self-addressed
2: yeah. stamped envelope oh uh, but also yeah. i recommend anybody who's flying domestically um internationally changes everything because yeah. every company ha- or every country has different guidelines but always print out those tsa guidelines put them in your knitting bag go ahead and highlight the things that yeah. apply to you so, so when see. you you are ready to argue because um, as somebody who will not the like Pry my needles out of my cold dead hands. I'm like, nope. It says right here, <laughs> read and weep. I can have this. Yeah, no yarn cutters. <laughs> no yarn cutters. And no. But, no you know, but you can have scissors. <laughs> I
0: know, but you can have scissors with blades shorter than four inches. Four hmm. inches, which That's is
2: pretty. Insane. You can do
0: some serious damage with some four-inch scissors. I Those tiny little
2: embroidery always scissors. Always bring round scissors. Like yeah. I've never, I've like never s- fought that scissor thing. I was like, you know what? I I know it says four inches, but just going to bring these little like, kid scissors. Yeah. I heard a lot of people
0: recommend the kid scissors yeah. as a way to go. Just, just in case.
2: Yeah. It's, you don't need to hold
0: up. Absolutely.
2: Um, so
0: a couple other craft books that I wanted to throw out there for anybody who's listening. Um, this one I think is just really fun. Crafting with Feminism, 25 Girl Power Projects mm-hmm. to Smash the Patriarchy mm-hmm. um, by Bonnie Burton. Super Craft, Easy Projects for Every Weekend by Sophie Pester if you're kind of a newbie and you just want something to do for fun on the weekends. And then... Um, Craft books for small people if you want to get your kids involved. Lazing, oh, that's a fun title. Lazing on a Sunday afternoon. Little projects <laughs> for people with just a little time and a little skill by Eliza Muldoon. And then Boycraft. Loads of things to make for and with boys and girls. Um, by Sarah Dutcher's, and I think Boycraft is neat because you get to a certain age in kids and they, they very much gender themselves and say, I can't do this or I can't do that, and, you know, right now my kid is three and he thinks the yarn store is magical and I hope he always does, but there may come a time when, you know, you got to trick him into to doing stuff with his hands, mm-hmm. so any time you can trick a kid into doing something creative, I'm all about it. Right, yes,
1: <laughs> it's always a win.
0: Yeah. Um, and then in terms of trends in crafting, um, we mentioned macrame is having a moment, um, Giant knitting was big for a while. Like where you mm-hmm. knit with your hands or big needles. Um, baking and cakes. Thank you, British Bake Off. <laughs> uh, coloring. The library has several popular coloring programs. There was a new one that I hadn't heard of until Beaumont had a program for it. Oh, it
1: stickering. Was stickering. Yeah. Yes, it's sticker by numbers. Yeah. It's fascinating. So huh. literally, it's like kits, and you have like the little stickers, and you peel and stick the stickers down, and that's how you fill in the color by number area. You can buy the books on Amazon.
2: Yeah, Is this and I for saw kids or for adults.
1: Anyone, any age. Yes. it was. It was like lots of pe- lots of different ages came to the Beaumont program. From what I'm I know, told, and so. I
0: wouldn't have thought it would have been as big as it was, but it was huge. They yeah, a huge crowd. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean it sounds great. I was as soon as I heard about it, I immediately went on Amazon. I was like pricing out books. I was just like can I get into stickering?
0: Like this sounds like something that might be soothing for me. That sounds interesting. Maybe they'll have maybe they'll have a sticker episode of uh, making it which comes out this nice. summer Nick Offerman and Amy Poehler show otherwise known as Leslie Nope and Ron Swanson yes. have a reality show coming out. I'm really excited about um again called making it and it's a craft show but each craft competition and each week is a different craft and I think it's going to be nice because Nick Offerman actually is a fairly prolific woodworker he's a woodworker yeah
1: Lynn my husband is obsessed with his woodworking he has like woodworking YouTube videos just where he just like no joke like just very like professionally and calmly like explains like how to make a canoe it's just like Lynn's obsessed with watching him. His woodshop is
2: amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's,
1: he's got really, really cool So You can buy his stuff that his woodshop makes. He's got, like, beard combs and stuff on his online store. It's really cool. It's just, I mean, when you see him as Ron Swanson, it's like... Oh, it's just kind of an act, but it's kind of not. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's kind, kind of just Nick Offerman. Of yeah,
0: I'm hoping it's my. This is going to be my um, the American version of Bake Off because I do find Great British Bake Off to be insanely soothing, and I, I'm mm-hmm. looking for. And it's over as we know it
1: because they have yeah, split as everyone we up. It. I know.
0: So. You kind you have, of have to find the next thing, though. That's a whole other episode to work through my feelings about Bake Off. It's pretty upsetting. <laughs> uh, and then another, you know, another source, if, if books aren't enough for you or, um, you know, you, you've taken a class uh, with Robin or someone and you, you want to learn more, um, there is a website called Craftsy that is sort of like the Netflix of craft. You can subscribe mm-hmm. and they have different videos for every kind of craft under the sun that you could imagine baking and sewing and all kinds of stuff, so... Uh, all lots of options out there for people who want to get started with craft, and I highly recommend it. Yeah,
1: and if all else fails, you really can just YouTube anything. Oh, yeah. And there are so many. It's like Robin said, it's kind of hard. You do have to kind of be a little choosier and pick and choose which videos you look at because anybody can put one up. But there is a video for absolutely every kind of craft that you can imagine on YouTube. And if there, you are get some
0: you, there are some podcasts on YouTube as well that are pretty mm-hmm.
2: fun.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Grocery Girls is one that I like. Mm-hmm. and Yeah.
2: And they've moved over to Craftsy. I don't know if you've seen it. Yes. The, yeah. I didn't even notice that until last week. I was like, oh, this is a whole new thing to watch. <laughs> <laughs> now, have you been to
0: any of, like, the yarn cons or whatever?
2: I have. Um, I, I've i gone to professional trade shows, but I don't have a lot of time to go to, yeah, the yarn cons. So it's not a thing I get to do very often. Um, I've gone some, to some spinning retreats and... Some knitting retreats, but nothing, nothing big, no stitches, because I'm working. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like it's you... that whole job thing, You've got, like, tons of stuff to do or yeah. anything, so...
0: <laughs> I know, husband when I were talking about planning a trip to, to Scotland at some point, and Ireland, and, and the, the UK, and I... We were talking about time to go, and I was like, "Well, if we go right. in the spring, we yep. can be there for that Murray Yarn Festival." I'm just saying. He yep. was like, "Oh, we do, right. do it! <laughs> I'll let you go look at whatever way. castles you want, Patrick. right? Whatever, we'll go to whatever castles you want. That's fine. <laughs> There's so do many castles wanting, for him to look at. Right? Wanna, I'll, put, I'll just be over here buying some yarn. <laughs> yeah, bringing a separate suitcase. He'll <laughs> be fine. I'm buy. Yeah. And again, Sheep and Fiber Festival is May 19th and May 20th. Highly recommend it. So much fun. Um, I'll be there with a shopping bag full of goodies. I'm sure. Uh, and you'll be there with Rebelle. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Of, lots of sheep and llamas and alpacas and Bunnies. rabbits and goats. <laughs> Everywhere. Goat yoga, apparently. Goat yoga. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Robin. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks.